Well, praise God. I'm glad to be with you all this morning. Uh, if you, you, you got the enjoyment of being with Dwayne last week, you got a nice short message, but you won't today. <clears throat> okay. Because, you know, um, I, I, you know, had a bout with Arona. I beat it. I recovered. I'm back. All right. A little stopped up a little bit here and there, but bless God, I'm still kicking. And, you know, the one thing about it is the problem is, is, see, I stayed home, didn't do anything except read, read my Bible. So I got so much to preach. I, I, I like I, I'm so lost in in. I had it all planned starting out the new year. Man, I was going in with a message, fearless faith. I had it all down, had all this and, and then everything kind of just got combobbled up. So I'm starting over. So if you've heard this before, then bless God, you're going to hear it again, because I just am excited I, 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 as I read, as I stayed home. And, you know, I overcame uh, with Psalms 41. Psalms 41 says, he who considers the poor, God restores him on his sickbed. And so I said, Lord, I got a promise right here. I ain't dying. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. So praise God. It's those things we do have in life to have to overcome. Amen. So I told you, y'all are overcomers. But I started preaching this message about having a fearless faith. Folks, I'm telling you, in 2022, we have got to, you've got to build your faith. You've got to be stronger in your faith and your relationship with Jesus than you've ever been in your life. These are the days I'm telling you that your faith is not some, can't be some namby-pamby little lay-me-down-to-sleep prayer that you learned when you were a kid and that's all you're doing. No, today is a day you've got to become, you know, the great warrior. You've got to be the one that, I mean, man, you know how to swing your sword. You, that maybe is razor sharp. You know what's going on. Anything rise, raises its head up, boy, you're just dicing, just laid a dice step right there on the, on the, on the table. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you've got to be that because I'm telling you, I do not by any means <clears throat> think that the rest of 22 is going to be a walk in the park. All right. I'm saying we're coming to days that are the end of the days. I'm saying we're coming to the days where the Bible talks about lawlessness is going to rise. <clears throat> I, I had to laugh. I just got to say this. I don't care if they cut me off. I got to say this. I read an article yesterday. You know, when you go to an airport and if you're going to fly, if you're flying domestically, you know, you just have to have your driver's license. You, when you got your you got your ticket and you got your driver's license, you go up to the little guy, TSA, right there at the beginning, you know, and they're going to check it and they're going to look at the ID, going to look at you, look at the ID, look at you, look at the ID, look at you, like, man, I mean, I mean, I know I got older since I took the picture, but come on, bud, I mean, you know, and then they finally, they write something down, you know, he always scribbles something, have you ever noticed that they always scribble something on your deal, and I'm always like, well, what was that, then I see him do something different, somebody else is like, what does that mean, you know, anyway, so that's what we have to do, right? But did you know that if you're an illegal in this country illegally and you just need a form to go through to fly on a plane, and this happens 159 times a day in the United States, and you need a document and you don't have a driver's license, you don't have a U.S. passport because you're illegal in the country, that you can take any federal document. So DHS has told TSA that any document will work, even the arrest warrant or deportation orders because they have a federal number on them. So people are literally walking up 
to federal agents showing that they're supposed to be arrested. And they say, okay, that's proper identification. Yes, go ahead and get on the plane. And I'm saying, how nutso has our society gotten when you go up there? Because, I mean, the last time I checked, if you're driving down the road and you get stopped by a police officer and he runs your license and he comes back and says, sir, there's an outstanding warrant for your arrest, you get arrested. But I guess, apparently, if you're illegally in here, you don't. Anyway, that's how crazy it is. Now, you tell me if that's where already where our society is going, that you good godly people are not going to need to be using your faith this year for craziness that's going on. Hello? See, our faith can't be just some little something that we just do on a Sunday morning, just go to, the, to church and have a little worship time. No, no, faith is something you've got to live by every day of your life because I'm telling you, it makes a difference whether you're going to live or die. All right. So Hebrews 1035 is where I started out in this message. And I said, it says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Your confidence, folks, what is your confidence in? Listen to me, your confidence better not be in your ability to do something. Your confidence better not be in that you're so good looking that it's all going to work out. <laughs> your confidence better not be in that you have the great athletic ability and you can do ninja jumps everywhere and everything's going to be okay. No, you better have your confidence in God. And you better know that you know that you know who Jesus is and who, what your relationship is with him. What you can ask for that he's going to give you. Hello? Or what maybe you, you, you need as gifts in your life to operate in. You better know. This isn't a day and a time. Like I, I've told you all this before. I have a friend, uh, and, he, and, and not anybody around here, but a, a distant friend. And he's always like, no, no, no. You only pray when, you, when something horrible is going on. Somebody's sick. Somebody's dying. You know, then you pull out and ask the prayer card because you don't want to use them up. And I'm like, what do you think? You have limited amount of prayer? Like you're only got like a sticker book that you only get three prayers a year. And so you got to keep them to really use them for the important things. So when it's really bad, but it's not bad, bad, you don't pray. I said, stupid. Now we got to know our relationship with God. So it says have confidence. Don't get away your, throw away your confidence. That word confidence means free, fearless confidence. That's what that word means. Fearless confidence. To be able to stand up and say, no, God's with me. Everything's going to be okay. See, I knew when I was sick, I wasn't going to die. I knew I was sick and I didn't feel good, but I knew I wasn't going to die. You know why? Because the Lord's promised me a long life. And he also told me through the word, he's told me through the word that I'm not leaving planet earth. This is my paraphrase until that moment in that second that he calls me home. End of story. And I ain't going home because of Rona. <clears throat> All right. So my point is faith and your confidence is what you've got to hang on to, folks, not what's going on in the world. See, we Christians, we get to look around and say, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And it upsets you. But your confidence can't be in your government. Your confidence can't be in what's going on out there in the world. Your confidence has to be in God Almighty and what he's doing and what his promises to you. And it's got to be this bold, assured, fearless confidence that you have. Ephesians 6, 16, only thing that's going to extinguish the fiery darts of the devil, what? It's faith. 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, what? Your faith. All right? 
But it can't be faith. And listen to me. This is where I just have just been just meditating on this whole past week. Faith can't be like you've gone through the scriptures. You've got 27 translations laid out. You, you, you've got it all here. You say, okay, well, this is what this is. 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 And you've got it all laid out and you're logically looking at it. That's not faith. That's intellect. That's reasoning. That's looking at it up here and say, okay, Jesus said be healed 26 times, and 26 times people were healed. Okay, well, I guess when Jesus says be healed, it'll be healed. But what about this over here? And then we got this. And you're just logically looking at it. And I've seen a lot of Christians try to live their life like that. They're just logically looking at it. Well, it makes sense to be a good person. You should be a good person. I mean, that's what we ought to do. And, and you're, just, you're just reasoning. That's not what the Bible's talking about. That's not the faith that brings the promises of God into your life. The faith that brings the promises of God into your life is what Romans 10.10 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's something that takes place down inside of you. It's in your heart. It's in the real you. It's not in your pumping blood heart, but it's in your soul, in the heart of you, down in your spirit, the real you that says that's true. It's the same kind of faith that at some point in your life, you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You said, I believe that he's the son of God. It's the same element of faith. It's a should be, should be. Let me stand over here and say as a duck. It should be the same faith, kind of faith that you said, that's the man I want to marry, or that's the woman I want to marry. That's who I love. That's my soulmate. It was something down in you that told you that, not because it's saying, hey, that dude's got some cash. I think I want him. See, that's reason. <laughs> It'll come back to bite you. Hello? But it's faith. It's down on the inside of you. You don't really have a reason why. I've never met Jesus personally in the sense of he walked up and shook my hand and I saw him standing there. But I know he's real. I know he's alive and well. I know he arose from the dead. I know just what the Bible says is true. I know that he, 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 he's, he's talked to me. He's, I felt his love. I know that I, have, I, I, I you know that I have had contact with him, even though I've not physically seen him. That's something down on the inside of me telling me that. And you can't take that from me. You can't take it from me. See, we've got a world today that wants to take from you. It wants to tell you you have to be a certain way and do a certain thing. But, folks, listen to me. Faith down on the inside of you. We're going to have church. If they shut the church down, we're going to have church. I, we're going to be out there in the field. We're, you can't stop me from having church. I'm going to have church. Right? I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. They can burn all the Bibles in the world. I got enough word on the inside of me that I memorize. I write it all down again. Because that's my faith. That's what who I believe in. That's what I would do. I do believe in a hereafter. I believe it pays to serve God. Come on, that's what's inside of me. You're not going to take it from me, no matter what they say. All right? So that's what the kind of faith we're trying to get to for your everyday life, for every situation and every circumstance. That when things arise, you don't have to have a freak out time. 
before you calm down and pray and get on track, but it's a part of your life. Issue arises, you say, my Jesus is bigger than that. But the only way you're going to do that is if you have a plan. Now, this is part of what I've been preaching about. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk had a plan. He said, I will watch, I will stand my watch, and I will set myself on, on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. <clears throat> then the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision, make it plain on the tablets, that he, who, he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, and at the end it will speak, and it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely... Come, it will not tarry. Behold, I, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Amen? That's you, the just. Those that have been justified by the blood of Jesus. The just are going to live by faith. Everybody say, I'm living by faith. faith. Now, living by faith doesn't mean that you still don't use reason. Hello? There's still a part of, of the reasoning factor that comes in there. Like you got up this morning and you ate and put your clothes on, combed your hair. You still have to use reason, but faith is what's driving you. <clears throat> so you got to have a plan. Let me ask each and every one of you. I don't need to show hands. Don't look at the ground. Don't look down when I said this, because then I know you <laughs> didn't do it. But I hope that you have worked on a plan since I've been preaching this, or you have a plan and a vision for your life. What do you want to be? I'm not talking about, I want to be an astronaut. No, I'm talking about, do you want to be a good person or a bad person? You want to be a thief, a liar, a cheat, or do you want to be known as a godly person? Do you want to operate in the things of God, operate in the gifts of God, see God move, see God answer your prayers? Is that the kind of person you want to be? You want to be a loving husband or a brute? You want to be a crazy person? Insane? Well, say, I don't want to, but I am. (laughs) Well, that's what you're going to use your faith for, to get healed up. See, I have have my own visions, my own personal things, just for my personal life. Like, one of them is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. says, therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I, I... I've got that scripture in my heart that I want to be a man who is steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want to be consistent. I am going to win by consistency. I am not going to, I'm not going to be a shooting rocket and whoosh and go. I'm going to be consistent. I'm just going to be there. You're going to turn around and you say, where's, where's pastor? There he is behind the pulpit. I'm just going to keep going. I want to keep going. I pray I die right here. I pray I'm just like right here at the last. And Jesus calls me home right as I'm just. That'd be cool. Freak all y'all out, man. It'd be cool for me. I'm just preaching along. Next thing I know, I'm standing on the streets to go. Uh, whoa. All right. But I'm going to be consistent. So that's a part of my plan. I wrote that plan down. That plan, that scripture is on the wall of my house. It's in my office. It sits there. I look at it all the time and I walk up to it and I look at it and say, I'm going to be steadfast and move and always bound to the work of the Lord. I'm going to be consistent. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. Some days I walk a little faster than others, but I'm still moving forward. There's always forward progress in my life. May have just inched forward, <laughs> but I'm still moving forward. Okay. 
<clears throat> sometimes I'm running. Sometimes I'm out jogging. <laughs> yeah, man, we're cruising now. All right. Another one is Luke 9:42. It's a it's a part of my vision of my life of what I'm going to do with my life, what I want to teach my children, their fa- my family to do. It says. And the verse says, and as he was still coming, the demon threw him down. He convulsed him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. He healed the child, and he gave him back to the father. Listen, I'm going to defeat the devil. I'm going to restore what he's destroyed, and I'm going to renew relationships back with the father. That's part of my life. When someone comes up to me, and, that's, and I can see the devil has destroyed something in their life, I'm going to help them to get rid of the devil. I'm going to help them to get healed back up, and I'm going to help them to get their relationship renewed back to the Father. That's just part of my life. It's part of my vision. It's part of my plan. I don't see it any other way. What what kind of plan do you have? Because if you don't have a plan, a faith plan, a faith walk, if you don't have something sitting before your eyes, then all you're going to do is be living your life and you're just going to be trying to adapt to whatever circumstance and situations coming your way. Hello? Y'all out there? Y'all somewhere out there, right? You're just, you're, just, you're just going with the punches. You're not conquering. And folks, we're supposed to conquer. We're supposed to conquer fear. Hello? We're supposed to conquer jealousy. We're supposed to conquer bad relationships. We're supposed to conquer these things that come upon us in this fallen world we live in. That's what your job is. That's what you're supposed to do. Be a conqueror, an overcomer. That's who Jesus made you and created you to be. Okay, so let's go on. So then I talked about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin. You've been quickened. That word quickened means to be made alive. Folks, this is where a lot of Christians have missed it. A lot of Christians have made a mental decision that they should go to church. They have made a mental decision that, you know, they ought to read their Bible or know at least how to pray. They've made a mental decision to change their lingo, okay? Change their phraseology. Learn to speak different. They've tried to learn to be a better husband or learn to be a better wife or, you know, just tried to do self-help things to help them and said they were doing this because, you know, it's a Christian, it's the right thing to do. That's what we ought to do. But the truth of the matter is that's not what takes place. You see, I was a full-blown heathen. Me. Little old sweet me. I was a full-blown heathen. I love to chew tobacco. I love to drink beer. I love to go to the bars, and I really love to get in a fight. It was my nature. I loved it. I enjoyed it. But then all of a sudden, one day, I met Jesus. And I didn't say, oh, okay, I need a self-help book now to help me be a right Christian. I didn't go to church and say, oh, okay, if you're a Christian, you've got to dress like that. Oh, okay, let's see if you're a uh, a Christian, you're supposed to talk like that. Oh, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to do this. I, 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 that, that didn't what happened to me. What happened to me was this Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I was dead, and I came to life because the Spirit of God came to live in me because I was born again. Something happened from on high. One moment I'm full-blown heathen, the next second I'm full-blown saint. 
say, oh, you do everything right? No, I'm talking about because the blood washed me and made me holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. All of a sudden, heaven's opened up to me. All of a sudden, man, I'm seeing for the very first time in life, holy cow, look at this. My wife raised a little Baptist girl. She knew some of the Bible. I didn't know any Bible. I was raised in another denomination, and I didn't, we didn't read Bibles. And so, so I never forget reading my Bible. I'd read it, and I'd say, Oh my gosh, not she, she'd be coming down from, we, had a two, we lived in a two-story house at that time, and she'd be coming down the stairs, I'd meet her at the stairs, look at what the Bible says here. And she'd say, yeah, <clears throat> I know that. And i said, I never heard this. Jesus did this. He healed people. He, he walked down, he had, this is real. I'd just say, man, I can't believe it's real. And I was so excited about it. Why? Because I became quickened, made alive to the things of God. And there's a lot of Christians trying to live their life for Jesus, just trying to be good, just out of their head, they're trying to do it, and they're failing miserably. I have to tell you all this, and I'm bragging. I don't care. I'm bragging. So last Sunday, you know, wasn't here. I was sick. I'm laying on my easy chair. Excuse me, got my blanket there. I decided I'm going to watch Christian TV. I, when, I, when do I ever get a chance to watch television on Sunday morning? Right? So I started going through the programming. I mean, I was up early. So at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm up going through all the programming, looking at all the preachers on TV. And there's some sorry preachers. I got to tell you all, man, I was disturbed. I was watching this like, really? All I could think about is who's paying for this? I'm sorry. I just looked and I said, man, these people, how did they get the money to be on air when it's this trashy, God bless them, but it's just trash, total trash. Some of them made me nervous. Now, I love Jesus, and this is supposed to be a Christian program. When I watched it, I was like, whoa, go, give me, what's the changer? Get off this all. This don't seem right at all. This religiousy dripping. And I said, man, I can't. And then all of a sudden, came time for the broadcast. So, I, man, I click over there. I got the broadcast on. It's funny, you know, all these years have been it's the first time I ever did it. Why? Because I'm always preaching. I never invented the broadcast. You know, so I, I turn it on and really, what do I do now? Laura said, well, put your button over there. Oh, okay, put your button over there. And then we come on, got the, the video going. I'm telling you, it was the most exciting thing I saw all day. I was looking, I said, man, this is cool. Look at how good it looks, man. Holy cow, that looks great. And I was like, pow, 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 and here's this. And the praise and worship kicked off. You could feel the anointing. It was great. And then Dwayne gets up and preaches. I'm like, look at this. Now, this is something people ought to be watching. But you see, that only ministers to you when you're quickened. When you're alive to the things of God, then the anointing ministers to you. When you want some religious service, when you want some suit and tie guy, when you want some polished little something with all the right homilies and the little, you know, things, well, then I guess that if you're in your head, that's what ministers to you. But when it's by the anointing, because you're being made alive, you immediately connect with that other life. Are you with me? That's how you have to live your faith. And that's the essence of your faith walk is that's made you alive being born again. And if you don't have that, then that's where you need to start your faith walk. You need to get your, make sure your relationship with Jesus is right. The Bible is real simple. It just says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he arose from the grave, 
you will be saved. That connection comes and the power from heaven comes and boom, hits you and swoo. When I left that barn, when I first got saved and I walked to the house, when I walked in the door, my mother looked at me and she said, what happened to you? There was a noticeable physical change happen in my life. Now, you know, when somebody's been down in the pig pen like I had, you know, it shows pretty quick. And she said, what happened to you? And I said, well, mother, I said, best I can figure, I got saved. And she said, well, I always thought you were saved. And I said, no. I said, I, I, I wasn't. And I said, other thing is crazy. I think Jesus called me to preach the gospel. No, I said, I think Jesus called me to be a preacher. Because I didn't know any word about gospel or something like that then. I said, Jesus, I think Jesus called me to be a preacher. And she went. <laughs> she said, well, I've been praying for you, but I didn't expect that. And I said, I didn't either. <laughs> Come to think about it, I didn't either. But you see then. You know, and, and, and you know, there's a long testimony and, you know, however everything works out. If y'all come to coffee with pastor, you know, you'll, we, we can talk more about things like this and you can find out a little bit more about my life. But I went from dead broke to having to go to work as a carpenter for $5 an hour. I went from rancher and then broke and then I'm working. And but I'm saved and I'm loving it because I'm alive. I'm alive. Everything's alive. I read my Bible. It's just. Wah! And so. So I'm working. I'll never forget this day. I'll never forget. I can tell you I could go right to the place. I could show you right on the roof of this man's house I was standing. I could tell you exactly what the day looked like and what everything going on. And there was a man that came. We were re-roofing a house. These are the days when I was still a young man. We're carrying shingles up, shingling a house, man. And we were working up there. I was up on the roof, and this man comes up, and he walks up the roof. And I knew the man. And he comes up to me. He said, he said Robert, I, I hear you got saved. I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And he said, you really, really got saved, didn't you? And I said, oh, yeah, man, Jesus, Lord of my life. I love Jesus. He said, I can see it on your face. He said, now, let me help you out here. He said, let me help you out here. He said, you're just getting started, line. There's some things you need to know. And so I got a book I want to give you. I said, oh, yeah, what? And he said, it's a book that tells you everything that's wrong with the Bible so you won't get off track. Now, see, I don't, you know, like I'm, I hadn't gone through much of the sanctification process by now. See, I just fresh saved. And so there's some of that old man, old nature and old ways still kind of hanging around. And uh, I said, I tell you what, I said, you take your little old book and you get off this roof. And he said, what do you mean? I said, there ain't nothing wrong with my Bible. He says, have you even read the Bible? I said, I started reading it, but my Bible on the front of page says, Holy Bible. Ain't nothing wrong with my Bible. And he said, no, you don't understand. See, you're young and you're simple-minded and you don't really understand. And, 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 and there's things that are wrong and you'll get in error if you don't read this book to help you keep on track so you, you, won't, you won't get off. And I said, I tell you what, I believe in the power of God and I believe that the Holy Spirit can take me through my Bible that says Holy Bible. I wouldn't get off this thing about it said a Holy Bible. Can't be unholy. It's holy. It's Holy Bible. And so this guy's just looking at me, you redneck, you know, you stupid kid, you don't know nothing. And I said, man, I tell you what, Jesus take me through this thing. I'm not worried about it. I said, I've been made alive on the inside. There's something on the inside of me, and it's going to lead me to right. And he said, no, you don't understand. I said, I tell you what, you push me far enough, I'm going to hit you in the head with my hammer if you don't get off the roof. <laughs> and he said, well, you can't do that. And I said, I can't. I can feel it coming up in me. <laughs> and he got off and left, and I didn't read the book. And a friend of mine did read the book and got off for years. 
before God ever got him back online. I praise God for that. That I see, I was just quickened. I was made alive. I was just born again. I wasn't gone through seminary. I hadn't gone on a, no, I just got saved. But if you just get saved, there's still a quickening on the inside of you to lead you and guide you as long as the religion doesn't get a hold of you and get you off. It's still there speaking to you, the Holy Spirit telling you what's right and what's wrong and what's alive and how you can live your faith and what's true. But we get as Christians, we get literally, oh my gosh, I was so grieved watching TV because I'm like, if people sit here and listen to this trash, they're going to get grieved and they're going to get off because there ain't no life in this. Here, dearly beloved, but I'm glad you're here today. Come to church. Jesus loves you. Yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm like, what, 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 what's going on here? Is there any life in this? There's no life in this. No, it's a living, quickening relationship where God's speaking to us and everything we we're doing, everywhere we're going, all the work that we're doing, the life that's taking place, it's just good, it's glory, it's Jesus and moving and flowing and rivers and a problem and you got to go, oh yeah, okay, Lord, what are we going to do about this? It should be a living, live relationship, not some dead, bleh. that's what you've got to be looking for. And then the sad thing is, sad thing is, I'll pick on us charismatics. You know, I don't consider myself charismatic. I just a Bible believing Holy Ghost Christian. I don't know what you call me, okay? But I, I, a lot of charismatics, you know, we're just running to the one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting, hoping somebody's going to slap some oil on us or lay hands on us or ruffle our hair up or do something so that we can feel something. And why, if you've been quickened by the power of the Holy Ghost, can't you have that same experience in your, in your bedroom? I have it every morning when I'm reading my Bible, drinking a cup of coffee. Got caffeine and the Holy Ghost working. <laughs> I mean, it's glory. That's the way our lives supposed to be. It's a living, vibrant relationship. We've been quickened. We've been made alive. Hello? Y'all with me? You know what I'm talking about? Because if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, then I want to tell you something. You never met Jesus. Y'all ever think about the... The, the parable Jesus spoke about the virgins, the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five virgins, they all took a lamp. They all took oil. They all went to meet the bridegroom. They all were doing the same thing. Only the others took more oil. Huh. Then the bridegroom comes and those others, they ain't got no oil. And by the time they go get the oil and come back, the door's shut. I don't know what it sound like y'all. Oh, great theologians. Sound like maybe they really weren't saved, like they just were going through the motions, going through the pretense of being Christians, had them a lamp. I got a lamp. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know Jesus. They come up, they got no oil. Boy, you better have you a five-gallon bucket. <clears throat> Hello? Okay. So I haven't even got past the introductory this morning. <clears throat> So let me jump down a little bit because you can go back and listen to the other two tapes and get some of this. But so I was talking about the areas that you've got to have vision for. You've got to have a vision for your relationship with God. This is in your plan. You've got to have a plan. What is your relationship with God? When I get to heaven, I don't want Jesus to put his arm around me and say, man, I'm glad you made it. Peter, who is this? <laughs> Y'all with me? I don't want Jesus. To say, I'm so glad you're here. Peter says, Robert, 
Robert, I'm so glad you're... No, I want Jesus to know me. Hello? I, I want to get to heaven and Jesus says, Robert! Hey! Wait! Made it! Right? <clears throat> you don't want to get to the front, be in there in the door with Peter trying to get in and say, no, no, no you don't. You spell Richard's R-I-C-H-A-R-Z. It's somewhere in there somewhere, I'm sure. Check again, please. I mean, you want to walk up there like you own heaven. You want to have such a relationship with heaven when you walk to the door, you're like, everybody's like, hey, Rob, made it. <coughs> your reservation's here, right? And so your relationship with God has got to be like a priority in your life. It's got to be something that you know him and he knows you. <coughs> So part of having a relationship with God is realizing that God wants to speak to you. You're not crazy if you hear the voice of God. Hello? Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. <clears throat> God speaks to me all the time, but he doesn't always speak to me. Well, he's never spoken to me in an audible voice. I have never had the privilege of Jesus when he was baptized and the heavens opened up and God thundering down and saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I've not heard that. But down here in my spirit, down here inside of me when I'm reading the word and I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with him and I'm talking to him and then I come across that word and said, look here, Lord. It says right here in Matthew 6, 22, to, I'm supposed to keep my vision straight, keep my eye, my eyes single, my whole my body be all uh, will be full of light. Huh, look at that. And then I hear the still small voice of God on the inside of me saying, yeah, watch that situation. Don't get your eyes focused on it. Like, oh, yeah. I've been thinking about that, kind of worrying me, and I'm getting my eyes focused over there. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me straight. See, I'm hearing the voice of God, but I'm hearing it through his word, hearing it through a song that's sung, hearing it through my wife telling me that it is the voice of God. <clears throat> but... According to Romans 8, 14, you're hardwired when you've had this quickening experience, this born-again experience, you are hardwired to hear the voice of God. It's already in you. When I was 16, I uh, was doing things I shouldn't have been, and I was at a dance one night, and, and uh, my best friend came to me and said, hey, come on, a bunch of guys, we're all going to go to Mexico, let's go. And I had a... I knew I had to work the next day because we were still running the ranch. I knew I had to do a bunch of feeding and stuff like that, and I knew I did, shouldn't go. And so my logical mind kicked in and said, no, oh, man, you got to get out in the morning and work, so you're not going to go to Mexico. But then the flesh side of me wanted to go with my friends, and so I said, okay. So I went outside, never forget it, walked outside, walked up to the door of the car. I was going to get in the back seat. I opened up the door, put my foot in there, and as soon as I put my foot in the door of that car, Something on the inside of me just turned over. <clears throat> and I stepped out and I said, now you guys go ahead. I'm not going. And so everybody's, come on, come on, you got to go, you got to go. So I opened the door back up. I put my foot in there, same thing. On the inside of me, just whoop, man, something I just knew wasn't right. And I said, I ain't going. Shut the door, told them, so you guys go on. They threw the door open third time. Come on, come on. Put my foot in that car, same thing, something wasn't right. 
knew it wasn't right, shut the door, told him to go, I turned my back, and I walked away. Went home. Next morning, my mother woke me up, told me that they had had a car wreck that night, and my best friend was killed. And he was sitting in the seat where I would have been sitting. <clears throat> woke me up. He didn't wake me, enough, wake me up enough to go get saved, but it woke me up enough to know that I believed God had spoken to me in a sense that night and saved my life. You see, God can speak to you. Sometimes it's like that, but you have to realize once you're born again, you are hardwired to hear the voice of God, to hear what's going on in heaven. Romans 8, 14 says, as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit of God. There is a leading that God wants to do to you, and you need to listen to it. When you feel that unction on the inside of you that said, don't go that way, you better not go that way. When you feel that you should be going that way, you better get going that way. Quit hesitating. Quit being logical about it. Quit trying to think it all out because it's going to get you in trouble. Hello? All right. So then the second thing is, is you gotta, if you're going to hear the voice of God, you have to position yourself to hear the voice of God. Okay? So let me just, let me just help you here for just a second. It doesn't mean that you have to light the room full of candles. It doesn't mean you have to kneel down and, and hold your hands together, and, and, and this is what you have to. Maybe that turn is what turns you on to the things of God, and that, that's cool. That's all right. But what it means is you're not going to hear the voice of God. You're not going to be in a position to hear the voice of God if you're sitting there going through your head with nothing but worry. If the song that's playing in your head is, I'm not going to make it, I'm going down, down, down in a burning ring of fire. If that's what you're hearing all the time, you know, you're not going to be in a position to hear the voice of God because all you got flowing through your head is doubt and unbelief. God told Habakkuk to put himself in a position. He said, I went and I stood on the watch to hear. You've got to have those times where you put yourself in the watch to hear the voice of God. So many times things come across my, ta my, my table or come at me and <clears throat> I, I do this. You know, there's a problem that, you know, a problem that I got to have an answer to. And it comes across my table and, I'm, and it's up in front of me and it's wanting to talk. Hello, you know what I'm talking about? You got to fix this. You got to do this. You got to go, oh gosh, they're going to do this. And if they do this, and if you do that, and if you do that, and you do this. But then if you did that, and you did this, and then that's going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this and that. And it's talking to me. I say, would you shut up? This is what I do to it. I like to say, I like put it on front of me. I say, would you shut up? Shut, shut it. Shut it. And then it starts, shut. And say, okay, Lord, <clears throat> it's been brought to my attention here by this problem. And so what do you say? See what I did? I put myself in a position to hear him rather than just let that thing make its case. Now you're setting yourself up in a position to hear the voice of God. But if you're just listening to that thing, yakking, 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 you're not going to hear the voice of God because all you're going to hear is the yakking. You're in charge. Tell it to be quiet. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Make it be quiet. Quit rehearsing it. Quit going through that court case and battle every day in your head. Stop it. 
Make it shut up and listen and be still to hear the voice of God so you can get some clarity for your life. <clears throat> the story in Luke 8:22, where the disciples are going across the, the sea and the storm comes up and water's filling the boat and they're, they're about to sink and Jesus is asleep in the back on a pillow. And I'm telling you, these guys are professional fishermen. These guys know how to fish. And if they say they're sinking, they're sinking. If they're in peril, I'm telling you, they're in peril. It was bad. And they were doing everything that they knew what, how to do, which was probably bailing water out of the boat. Right? But the true answer was in the boat with them, Jesus. He was right there. He was right there asleep on a pillow. He was just right there. He was just an arm's reach out. But they're doing what they know to do, bailing. So they couldn't hear the voice of God. And I'm telling you in life, some of you need to stop bailing and go over and sit down by Jesus and say, Jesus, the boat's sinking. What do you want to do? So you can hear the voice of God for your life. Because the bottom line is you're not going to get it figured out anyway. Because most of the time the problems of life are bigger than we could handle anyway. If they weren't, you wouldn't be worried. All right? Now, let me get into something I didn't give you. I'm just down to the new stuff now. <clears throat> Judges chapter 6. And I won't take long here. Judges chapter 6. The, the, the third thing here is, okay, you got to hear the voice of God. He, you got to set yourself in a position to hear the voice of God. But then you got to understand how God's going to talk. Now, listen to this. In Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 7 through 10, is a story of... of uh, a time in life when, you know, the, 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 the children of Israel live in the Midianites are, are uh, ruling the land. God's trying to get hold of Gideon. He's trying to talk to him. And in, in, in verse 7, it says, And it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of those that were oppressed, and you drove them out before, and I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also says the Lord, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Okay, <clears throat> this prophet comes out there and he's trying to talk to, to, the, to the people, the Israelites. He's speaking to them. And the first thing he does, look, is reveal who God is. <clears throat> who is your God? Let me just ask you this, this right now. Who is your God? What, what, what is your God? Who is your God? Is he an old man in a rocking chair who just passes down judgment? Is he a God who is not really going to deal with you on earth because that's what you believe and just you'll get to heaven someday and sing? Is he a religious? Does he wear a big robe? Does he got a big white beard? Who's your God? If you're going to form a God, what does he look like? What's he going to do for you? See, you're not going to hear the voice of God. People tell me, I, 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 I don't know if it, some, something spoke to me, and I don't know if it was God or the devil. Well, that's, <clears throat> that's a pretty good difference there. You're talking about one end of the stick to the other. Hello? It should be able to distinguish the voice of Almighty God, a loving, caring Father, or the devil who hates you and wants to drag you to hell, right? They should speak differently. Isn't it funny? 
And I've always said this about it in church here. I've always said it's so funny in church that if a baby cries in the nursery, I'll hear it. it I don't know whose kid it is. Oh, mother, all, the, all you mothers, your ears. And they cry one more time. And then the first mama jumps up, whoop, runs out there. Hear the voice of that baby, can distinguish it from any other cry. All the other mothers, oh, no, that ain't mine. Why? Because you get attuned to hearing that voice. Hello? Your wife calls you on the phone. You're going to say, yes, uh, this is Robert. Who is this? You know her voice. Am I right? Well, when the God used the prophet to speak to him, he's telling him who God is. He's telling him, look, I'm a God who delivers you. I'm a God who sets you free. So if the voice comes to you and says, you know, you're a rat. You've always been a rat. You're lucky that I even put up with you. But it's only because of my grace that I will allow you to even get a toe into heaven. But believe me, when you get here, <clears throat> you're in the back pasture for a while. That's not God. That doesn't line up with his word. That doesn't line up with who he is. I've had people in all these years come up to me and say some of the craziest things. Yeah, God told me I'm going to suffer. I got to suffer through this. He's going to pound me. He's going to beat my flesh. But then I'm going to come out on the other end strong. And I'm like, I don't think you're talking to the same God I'm talking to. Because my God is a restorer. My God is a deliverer. Yes, he wants you to repent. Yes, he wants you to get out of the situation you're at. But God is for me. He's not against me. God isn't going to pound me and beat me up. And my point is here, see, folks, you can't hear the voice of God unless you know who he is. So when these, the, the Israelites, they did, they'd forgotten who God was. So when the prophet comes to him, he starts declaring to him who he is. I delivered you from the Egyptians. I brought you into this land. I drove out all those inhabitants. I'm a God who's a good God. I'm a God who's for you. I'm a God who wants to come into your life and be a deliverer to you before they could understand him. And I'm saying to you, what is religion put in you? Because I can tell you the years that I did spend in church, thank God I didn't listen much. But there was enough religion that I absorbed through my skin to believe that God would not answer prayer. Simply the reason why I saw the pastor pray and I saw the people die. I saw no encouraging word and I always heard, and if, and a yeah, but. You can pray, but you need to understand that God may say no. Well, then, where does that leave me? Are y'all with me? Y'all hearing me? Because y'all are getting affected from some of this religious garbage, too. And you don't realize how that plagues in on your faith. How that comes in and gets on you. And, and you know, like, <clears throat> you know, I drive a diesel truck. And there's no matter any time you're going to fill it up with diesel, when you get back in your truck, you're going to smell like diesel. There ain't no way around it. You can wear gloves up to your arms, you know, uh, and, and get in there. When you get back in the truck, you're going to smell diesel. It just is, it's just the way it is. Well, there's no way you're going to get around doubt and unbelief and, and, and religion and, and, and this garbage that you're, it's not going to leave a smell on you. It's going to work into your, your 
thinking and into your faith. And it's going to try to uproot it. And it's going to dig down in there. And I'm telling you, folks, you need to avoid it. Oh, man. You get a whiff of that, you need to run. You need to run. You need to run. Because it will hinder your faith walk because it's going to steal from you who God is. I want to tell you who my God is. My God is a deliverer. My God is a restorer. My God is a raiser from the dead. My God is a God who it's not over with until he says it's over with. Forget the fat lady singing, bless God, it ain't over with till my God says it's over with. Fat lady can sing all she wants to. It ain't going to make no difference. God has got the last word in my life. God's got the last word on here. God's got the last word in the world. God, listen, everybody's out there jumping up and down and saying this and that and the other. And, ah! But it's not going to end until God says it's going to end. But when he says it's going to end, whoo, man, heavens are going to roll back. He's going to stick his head through there and say, I'm in charge. And that's going to be the end of it. And then I'm going to be walking around like a little prancing rooster saying, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. Yeah. I mean, I'm already figured that I'm going to get in trouble during the millennial reign of Christ. Because when Jesus is in charge and I'm with him, I'm going to probably overstep my abilities and my bounds somehow. Because I'm going to be over there, you know, like a rooster crow and talking about my Jesus, what he can do. And I got a rod in my hand and he just better not give me no lip. Because that's who my God is. Are y'all with me? I love Jesus. I love, I, listen, I, when I get to heaven, if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. But I, I'm, it's okay because I'm going to be judged by a righteous God. I trust Jesus. And if he says, Robert, what you did was wrong, I'll say, okay, Lord, what's the punishment? Because I deserve it. Because if you said I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't have to worry about some corrupt judge that got paid off that gives it, uh, uh, you know, an, or some liberal or political or this or that. You don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. If Jesus says I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Hello? And I'm okay with that because I trust him. But you got to know who God is. Otherwise, what you hear in your ear that you think is God is going to be tainted by religion. It's going to be tainted by doubt and unbelief. And you're going to be hearing things that aren't right. You're going to live under condemnation, not conviction. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, you need to stop doing that. And you feel remorse and you repent of doing it. And then you're cleaned, and made white, made whole. Conviction, I mean, condemnation is when it says you're, what you did was wrong and you're a rat. <clears throat> And there's no way out, see. You just keep getting condemned and condemned and condemned and condemned. That's not my God. My God deals in conviction. He taps you on this and says, <clears throat> don't, don't do that. And I say, I'm sorry, Lord. He says, come here. And then he cleans me up. Gives me the strength and the might and the power to overcome. Are y'all with me? Religion will put you under condemnation. And tell you, you're not worthy. You can't walk like that. That's what condemnation does for you. And you will not hear the voice of God clearly speaking to you if you're living a life under condemnation. That's why I love to repent. How many of y'all, when you were kids, and don't raise your hand, <clears throat> you did something that you knew was wrong and you got caught? Your parents caught you and you knew you were guilty. And at that point, my question to you is, 
Did you have conviction and you say, I'll never do it again and you really meant it? Or were you just trying to figure out how you're going to get out? Because you knew you're going to do it again. Hello? Repentance, when I'm repenting, I know what I did was wrong. And I go to the Lord and I know I did what was, I know I was wrong. And I say, Lord, I'm sorry. I should not have had those thoughts. I should not have been worried. Why did I worry? I want to tell you all something. I do more repenting for a situation arising in my life. I look at it. I get angry. I get frustrated. I get mad. I get whatever the situation may call for. I use a gamut of emotions. And then God works it all out. And I repent because I was so stupid. Why did I even go down that road? Because it wasn't needed. God fixed it. And there was no sense in even wasting that emotional energy on what I did. And I said, God, why am I going to, when am I going to learn? Forgive me, Lord. I'm such a, <clears throat> and I repent and I really mean it. Hello? Repentance is the greatest thing in the world. Because it cleans you up, then the blood of Jesus comes over your life, and you're clean, and I'm right with God, and it's as if nothing ever happened. Woo! Man, I love that. I'm glad I didn't make up these rules. I just got to walk in them, because there's some good ones. Grace, mercy, repentance, conviction. See, I'd have been the God that said, I'll let them burn for a little bit down there, and then we'll take them out. Maybe they'll learn their lesson. He used to go to Mexico and preach at this old preacher. Remember, oh, dangle him over. What was that guy's name? I don't remember his name. Oh, go out there and he'd show these films. And one of the films titled was Burning Hell. And it was this horrible film just with people falling into the pit of hell, worms coming out of their eyes. And, and he'd lock up that old church. It'd be 900 degrees inside that church. And, and, and it just everybody's sweating in there watching this thing. And, oh, my God, people are going and falling into hell. And, ah! and blood and everything. And then he'd get up there and he'd get, so unless you want to go there, you need to give your life to Jesus. Well, of course, everybody in the place here, I want to go, I want Jesus, man. And he called it his dangling doctrine. He said, you just got to dangle them, you know, dangle them over the fire a little bit and bless God, they'll get saved. <clears throat> I don't know how that had anything to do with what I was just saying. I'm just totally blank on where I was going. <laughs> Uh, okay, so anyway, God loves you. I'm going to stop right here. I want you to put your Bibles up, and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He does not want you burning and dangling over the fires of hell in order to turn from him. He wants children that will hear his voice turn and give their lives to him. Amen? So stand up if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? For those of you out watching the broadcast today, I'm glad you did. But if you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then now's the time to do it right there in your home. You can call out upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You can call out right there and say, Jesus, I believe in you. You can take that faith that's down on the inside of you and you can turn it on. And when you do, that quickening will happen. That born again experience will happen. And the spirit of God will come to live on the inside of you. If you're in here today and you're not sure that you're right with God, you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. That's why I have a prayer team up here. Because they can come pray for you and that same quickening can come into you. 
If you don't, if it doesn't make sense to you what I've preached this morning, you really need to come pray with one of these people. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's a glorious thing. Because when you've been made alive, when, it's, when you become alive to the things of God, it is the greatest, greatest, greatest day of your life. To give your life to Jesus and that quickening happens. So listen to me, church. I pray that what I said today is resting heavily upon you and that, that, that God is directing you and you're hearing the voice of God clearly. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for each and every one of you. And, I, and you've got to receive it by faith now. But I want to pray for you that, that you're going to hear God's voice like you have never heard God's voice before. So let me just pray. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone in here, Lord, everyone out there watching. I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, that right now, <clears throat> that, Lord, you are coming alive to each and every one of them. That, Lord, religious ways, religious wrong teaching and doctrine that's been in people's lives, Lord, it falls off of them this morning like dirt washed off in the shower, Lord. That they can truly hear the voice of God. And just like the prophet said that you're a God who delivers, you're a God who sets free, you're a God who makes right, you're a God who restores, you're a God who convicts, you're a God who gives us grace for repentance comes alive in their lives today. Lord, I pray that your hand just lead them and guide them. And this whole week is a glory week. This whole week just begins to just come alive to them. That everywhere they turn to the right and to the left, they see you moving in their life. So Lord, bless them. Lord, I thank you for blessing them exceedingly, abundantly, beyond they could ever even think or ask, Lord. And Lord, to bring in us to a place as a church, that we have fearless faith to walk into anything that comes our way. So bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Our prayer team's up here to pray with you for anything you need.